writing our name in the Lamb's book of life. Couldn't thank you enough for giving us a new mind, a new heart, filling us with your spirit, leading us and guiding us by your word. Thank you for the indwelling power of the Holy Ghost. He who walks with us, talks with us, comforts us, directs our every step. We love you today. And we thank you for placing us in your church, feeding us the bread of life, and ordering God the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now Jesus is preaching time. And we pray now that you would continue to take control of the reins of our minds, our emotions. Pray that you would breathe on us today. That you would give our under-shepherd preaching power and preaching permission that preaching may be done. And on this day, Lord, the calendar of the church says it's Pentecost weekend. And so remember, we remember when your spirit came down. What happened in that upper room. How your men and your women, they ran out of there as witnesses. Telling the world that you're coming again. That you love them. And that you have a plan for their life. Speak to us this morning. And we'll give you the honor. We'll give you the glory. And we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the children of God said amen and amen. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's holy word? Those of you who aren't standing, it is the tradition of this house that we stand in honor of the holy word of God. Today we will be preaching from the gospel according to Mark. The gospel according to Mark chapter 6. Looking at three verses, verses 53 through 56. As I mentioned in my prayer, according to the global church calendar of the church, it is Pentecost weekend. And churches all over the globe are remembering what the Holy Spirit did through the work of the church. Amen. Amen. Here in New Beginnings, the local church, it is a mission weekend where we are remembering the Great Commission and when God called us to go through all of the earth. So I like to take a detour from the work in First, Second Samuel to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. Mark 6, verse 53 through 56. If you have it, say, I got it, Pastor. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret, and they anchored there. And when they came out of the boat... Immediately, the people recognized him. And they ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he entered into villages and cities or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces, and they begged him that they might touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. 
And amen. Look at somebody good looking next to you and tell them good looking. Yeah, I'm talking to you. My pastor want to preach today about let's get a brand new look at evangelism. Amen. You may be seated. A brand new look at evangelism. New beginnings as we get ready to head to South Africa. As we turn through ABI and look at what God has called us to, I'm excited to know that the same gospel that was preached over 2,000 years ago is still working today. That same gospel that turned the world upside down in the first century is yet shaking global communities with the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, when we get there uh, in South Africa, the work will be waiting for us. Y'all in here? Orphanages will need visiting. Hospitals will need visiting. Prayer for the sick will be in order. Townships will be waiting for us to proclaim the gospel in places where it hasn't been heard. All I'm trying to say is new beginnings is preaching time. And I can't wait to carry this great gospel to distant shores where there are people still hungry to hear it. Still hungry to see it. Still hungry to experience it. And feel it like it's never been felt before. In America, I know it seems we may be oversaturated with churches and biblical content. So the gospel for some is an old story that's irrelevant. But I stopped by to tell you it may be an old story, but it still got power. And the world today still needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody on every corner needs to hear the gospel proclaimed. And that's why we're lifting up evangelism and missions in this service today. We've come to remind you that God has a need to be seen in our communities. And we've come to tell you that great things happen when people see Jesus. Can I work right there for a little bit? At the background of our text, when we arrive here, the master's ministry had taken off. The word of Jesus had been proclaimed throughout all the region of northern Palestine. The testimony of his miracles, the casting out of demons, the feeding of the multitudes, the healing of the sick had all gone out. And people now, when they knew he was back in the area, came flocking from towns and villages to hear the word of the Lord. Wherever the master was, that was where the people wanted to be. In fact, this is called the year of popularity. It's the year that Jesus' name, here it is, became a household word. The people couldn't get enough of the name of Jesus. They couldn't get enough of the things that he could do. 
And so when our text opens up for us, we see a profound truth that I believe will transform new beginnings in the year of 2017. In fact, if our church ever became like the region in northern Palestine where we got contagious with the person of Christ and the preaching of the gospel, this entire city would be turned upside down by the preaching of the good news. Help me, Holy Ghost. Preach it all in here. If this church ever got contagious with the person of Christ, everybody in your family will become a baptized believer. If this church ever got contagious with the gospel of Jesus Christ, there wouldn't be a building big enough to contain the crowds. This text today is a divine challenge for the child of God. Here it is. It's a challenge that calls you and I to lift up the person of Christ that the world will get to see him and know him. And that's four simple things I want to raise for your listening ear this morning in this passage. And they are truths that will inform us of what will happen when people get to know and see Jesus. Number one, when the new, a brand new look at evangelism happens, there must be a recognized location. Number two, not only must there be a recognized location, but there must be a recognized leader. Not only must there be a recognized location and a recognized leader, there must be a remembered lesson. And not only must there be a recognized location and a recognized leader with a remembered lesson, but there must be evidence of a renewed life. And I'm going to preach it all today. As the young people say, up in here, up in here. Verse 53, keep your Bibles open while we look in the text. If you got it, say, I got it, Reverend. The text says, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. New beginnings, when we arrive at this text, I'm first of all arrested by this verse that calls our attention to a very specific fact. It's powerful, but it's simple. When the disciples sailed across the sea, they were headed for a specific place. Here it is. That the place they were headed was a chosen place. It was a central place. It was on the target to be there. It was divinely arranged and planned or pre-planned by the master to go here. Which means it was a desired place. And it was a place that the Lord could use for his honor and his glory. Jesus chose to be in a location where all the sick could have access to him. Y'all in here? So he anchored, the text says, at Gennesaret. Now stay with me, you, those of you Bible readers who said, Pastor, I heard this before. Listen again, lean in and get it good this time. When he anchored here, he literally had them to tie down there so he could serve for a while. The text is never written for just happenstance. When it says he anchored there, it implies something deeper. He planned on staying a while. Are you in here? 
In other words, this location, Gennesaret, was going to be a healing station for all those who were in the region, Brother Skip. The work of Christ was going to impact the lives of mankind in this particular ministry location. So his assignment sent from the Father to earth could be carried out. Here it is. It was a strategic spot, Brother Eric, for those who were workers on the sea and workers on the land. Jesus wanted to be in a location where he could reach everybody from that particular region. And I'm thinking about this, Minister Kabuya, as we get ready to go to Cape Town. This mission trip is a specific mission trip. We're going to South Africa. The economic engine of the church, of, of Africa, where somebody from every nation comes there to live. Do you know if the church get equipped in South Africa, they can carry the gospel to every other country in Africa? It's like a Gennesaret. It's the perfect location for the people to catch the word of God from the bottom of the continent and move all the way up through it. Tell somebody some things are still from the bottom up. Can I say it all? It's the perfect place to anchor. And we too must consider those that don't have access to Jesus. We must consider how we can position ourselves to be in a location where everyone can come and feel welcome to see Jesus like this text because as this applies to the mission team it also applies to the new beginnings church in fresno today do you know that the central valley is a strategic place to anchor for the work of the lord some of y'all didn't know that so let me say it again the central valley is called the bread basket of north america we feed the entire country Okay, I missed somebody. Let me say it this way. Since we the bread basket, why not give the bread of life to everybody that comes through the Central Valley? Why don't we be the Gennesaret of God? The Gennesaret for all of North America. Hello, is this thing on? Why don't we be the location where God says, I know somebody who can feed you my word. I know some place where you can go and get taught the truth. I know where you can hear of the good news of Jesus Christ. But we need some place, some bodies, some people that's willing to anchor in Gennesaret. Here it is. We ought to be the place to capture the sick. We ought to be the place to look for the broken. We ought to be the place to search for the wounded. We ought to be the place to care for those who are hurting and in need of a savior. Southeast Fresno, where you're sitting today, is prime real estate for the kingdom. Oh, you're sitting in the best place. And I thank God that I landed right here on this campus. I'm going to drop my anchor and set my gaze on how many souls I can win from right here until the Lord returns. I got anybody with me that's willing to drop anchor this morning. I think, I think Southeast Fresno is a good place to go to heaven from. Amen. I'm, I'm going to go from right here and I'm going to occupy until he comes. 
Help me, Holy Ghost, preaching all in here. We got an anchor somewhere, y'all, and you got to be in a location that will give people access to Jesus. Here's a question. Can they get access in your home? Are you living and dwelling in the place where people can have access to God? Make sure that if you go experience brand new evangelism methods, that you do it in the right location. Well, not only must you have a, a, a recognized location, you got to have a recognized leader. Somebody holler out point number two. Verse four said, and as soon as they got out of the boat, look at this, y'all. The people recognized Jesus. Y'all see that there? When you come to this portion of the text, Reverend Benson, we get to see here a direct response of the people in the area. When they see the disciples and Jesus, the text says they got when they got out of the boat, they recognized him. Y'all with me? According to the text, when they recognize him, they respond as if they're glad to see him. And as if they had already known him. Or had an encounter with him. Here it is. The people in this part of the country remember Jesus from his previous visit. And they recalled the things that he had did. And the things that he had said. And so when they saw them got out of the boat, they saw many people, yep, or many people previously, rather, had gotten healed by him, and they recognized the one who had did the works of God. Here it is. Jesus uh, was hard to miss. He was hard to miss, Brother BJ, because nobody looks like Jesus. This ain't in my nose, but let me say this. Buddha don't come close. Muhammad don't look like him. The higher Krishnas can't imitate him. Are y'all with me here? New age religion don't match up. Nobody looks like Jesus. That's why you ain't got to dress him up. You ain't got to fix him up. You ain't got to prop him up. He's second to none. You better ask somebody. He's good looking and altogether lovely. And if you've ever seen him, you can't forget being in his presence. Can I say some more? Jesus does what nobody else can do. Name me another personality that walked on water, gave sight to the blind, gave hearing to the deaf, raised the dead, gave mamas their dead babies back, gave sisters their dead brother. Name me somebody else who could call creation into order. Y'all in here? Can I say some more? Name me somebody else that color-coded color the flower community. The daisies and the daffodils. The roses and the petunias. The lilies and the hills on the valley. Who you know made all the species of trees? Can separate the difference between the apple tree, the orange tree, the peach tree, the pomegranate tree. Y'all in here make watermelons and fruit trees and grapefruits. Who you know made the different animal species? The grasshopper from the crawling ant. Y'all listening to me? The ladybug. The ladybug. The different kind of butterflies. Who you know made the 
difference between horses. Some call donkeys. Some call ponies. Some big, some small. Some on this continent. Some call zebras. Not zebras, zebras. Are you in here? Who you know? Who you know? Made the different type of reptiles. Alligators. Alligators. Crocodiles. Lizards. Help me, Reverend. Y'all in here? Cobras. Black snakes. Who you know? Made all of Jesus. is second to none. And I tell you, if you ever see him, you won't mistake in his identity. All I'm trying to say is when those people saw Jesus, they recognized who he was. That's a good point to tell the young people. Tell somebody, you better recognize. You better recognize. <laughs> who you know? When they saw him, they knew it was the master. When they saw him, they knew he was the one who could make the sick well. They knew he was the one who would heal their brothers and sisters. They knew he was the one who would cast the demons out of their families. And all I want to know for us, New Beginnings, is do we realize that when the people in the valley get a glimpse of Jesus in our life, They'll recognize him too. Can I say some more? When the people of the valley get a glimpse of Jesus in your talk, they'll recognize him too. When they get a glimpse of Jesus in your attitude, they'll recognize him too. Montrey, when the people of the valley get a glimpse of Jesus in your home, son, they'll recognize him too. See, they know you. They knew you before Jesus. But after Jesus, there ought to be a change. And when they see the new you and connected with who you're following, they'll get to say, ah, if Jesus could do that in her, and if Jesus could do that in him, bring me to the master. Bring me to the one who did that miracle in their life. Are you with me here? They'll quit running from the miracles of money, and they'll want the miracles of eternal change. That's why the believer's life is so important. That's why discipleship is so in order. When the life get transformed, listen, y'all, there's no greater miracle. Okay, I miss somebody. I miss somebody. If I heal you today from being blind, you're still going to die. Because this body can't inherit eternity. Flesh and blood can't enter in the glory. So if I heal you and your legs grow back, praise God, you're still going to die and need new legs. But if you get new life, you will have that for all of eternity. Are you in here? The greatest miracle is the miracle of a transformed life. Somebody who was once in the dope house, crawling on the floor searching for crumbs, is now at the door of the house of the Lord, welcoming people in to get everlasting life. Somebody who was once an old no good drunk living their life in the bottom of a bottle now comes into the house of the Lord and offering people living water. That's transformation. And when the people get to see Jesus in you, they'll recognize what God has done. Am I talking to you today? I had a question here in the text and I wrote myself, Reverend Tong, a question. I said, Wilson, have you ever wondered... Why we don't have people in the city beating down our doors for Jesus? 
We don't have them beating down our doors because we don't look like Christians anymore. We don't have them beating down our doors because we don't walk like Christians anymore. We're afraid to stand out. We're too busy, interested, trying to fit in. Wonder why we don't have them beating down our doors. We don't talk like Christians. We don't even have the same conversations that God would talk about. Are you in here now? The reason why they ain't beating down the doors is because there's no Christians living in close communion with the Christ. People can't see him in you. You look too far, too much like those outside of the sheepfold. Can I say some more? All new beginnings, I don't know about you, but I'm dying on the inside to be this type of believer who's on fire for Christ. I'm dying on the inside to look like the one who walked the dusty streets of Palestine. I'm dying on the inside to talk like the one who talked to the folk in Jerusalem. I'm dying on the inside to serve like him, to give like him, to love like him, to lead like him, to preach like him, to teach like him, to imitate him, to desire him, follow him, obey him, sacrifice like him, and talk to the Father like him. I'm dying on the inside to be more like Jesus and less like me. I'm dying on on the inside to be more like the master that's where I'm trying to go is there anybody here this morning say pastor I'm with you man I'm trying to pursue him with everything that I have I'm not trying to fit in with the culture I'm trying to be more like the master trying to look more like the man from Galilee You wasting your time trying to look like me. You wasting your time trying to look like mama and daddy. The greatest pursuit and call in the earth is for you to look like Jesus. Come on in here. I said come on in here. Quit emulating the world. Quit emulating those good people with lots of money. They gonna die and perish. Spend your time in pursuit of the preacher from Galilee. Come on, talk to me. You ain't loved until you love like him. You ain't served until you serve like him. You ain't lived until you live like him. Come on, you can run that rabbit in your own life. You ain't, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't until you did it like him. High five somebody tell them I got to change the way I do it. I got to change. Not only if you're going to have a brand new look at evangelism with a recognized location and a recognized leader. You got to always have a remembered lesson. The Bible says in verse 55, they ran. Hey, that's worth preaching right there. They ran. They ran throughout the whole region and they carried. Somebody said they carried. They carried the sick Deja on mats to wherever they heard he was. This one verse puts emphasis on what evangelism looks like. When you arrive at this text, 
you get to see what true disciples will do. Okay. After recognizing Jesus, they became motivated, Sister Wilson, beyond motivation to be in his presence. So what they did, they ran throughout the region. Y'all catch that? And they ran everywhere to bring people to him. Okay. Nobody, Reverend White, had to beg them to come and be on the committee to help get Jesus a crowd. No, they ran on their own. Nobody had to do a special program. Come on, listen. Nobody had to provide tricks and treats in order to get a crowd. No, the ones who knew him ran and got people. It almost implied that they didn't even ask questions. They just brought them. Okay, I missed somebody. Nobody had to tell them, share the good news. Nobody had to tell them, you need to go get somebody else. Nobody had to tell them how important it was for people to meet Jesus. They automatically knew it. And so they ran throughout the region to bring people to him. My question is, when's the last time you ran to do something for God? I dare you to think about that. When was the last time, y'all, you were that motivated to bring somebody into the presence of God? Let me ask it another way. When was the last time you got excited about God? We got our excitement things all backwards. We get excited about a new car that you're going to pay payments on for 30 years. We get excited about temporal stuff that's going to fade and die. But eternity lasts forever. Are you with me here? I'm trying to shift our paradigm today. Can you feel it? That they knew the master and had been in his presence before. And because they knew that, they couldn't wait, Reverend Billings, to be back in his presence and to bring somebody else with them. Here it is. They were so motivated, they ran around the region bringing those that could not come because of physical problems. Y'all catch that? That's why the text is so important. Days you said, not only did they run, but they carried. I need to spend some time right there. I'm going to lose my amens right here. But discipleship entails work. It's physical work. Y'all in here? And sometimes you got to carry those who can't get there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I know we live in a time where we're sophisticated and we got these cars with four doors and eight seats, but you're the only one driving it. You got room in that SUV to fill it up, but you passing up corners. You pass by Bobo and them. You had time to go through there and pick them up and carry them to Jesus. But you came by yourself. 
I know I'm talking to somebody. They carried the ones who couldn't come on their own. They picked them up and physically saw to it that they would meet the master, that they would come into the presence of the Lord. Here it is. We can learn in this text about what it means to be hungry, to bring somebody to be fed. We can learn what it means to once be blind to help somebody else now get sight. We can learn now what it means to once be a beggar who found bread that brings another beggar who needs bread. Here it is. When you start running for Jesus because you love to see him, then you'll understand why running for Jesus makes sense. Here it is. Running becomes easier for him when you know he's done something for you. Can I turn the light on? R running becomes easy to him when it's your brother who needs to be healed. Running to him is easy when God needs to do something for your baby girl. Running to him is easy when God is needed in the hospital. Running to him is easy when you need a lawyer in the courtroom. Running to him is easy when your spouse is at the dope house. Running to him is easy when your life is on the line. Running to him is easy when mama's on the deathbed. When your loved one comes near life-threatening situations, you ought to be running your hardest to bring them to Jesus. I'm concerned, I'm concerned, I'm concerned, New Beginnings, about our lack of physical activity in the community. I'm concerned about our lack of excitement about the things of God. I'm concerned that we're losing our zeal and our thirst for the lost. I'm concerned that we're no longer willing to walk Blackstone and walk G Street and go down to the jail and the convalescent hospitals. I'm concerned when we start getting afraid to knock on doors in the neighborhood. I'm afraid that Super Saturday has lost its zing and that this church is no longer excited about the souls of lost men coming into the kingdom. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I'm concerned because the only one thing we got to do on earth is live for God. Where are you? Where are you? You're missing the heart of God, the call of God, the grip of God. God invites you to join him and what he's doing in the earth and it calls for physical activity. You can't sit here and expect to run out there. I don't need no more bench players. No more bench players. All of you are starters. All of you are in the game. You got a position? Play your part. Somebody holler at me. Stay in your lane. Play the role that God gave you, but all of us have got to be running to meet Jesus and to bring people who don't know him. I was looking at this text, Reverend Brown. I heard the Lord whisper something in my ear. Tell him I said, do it again, Lord. And I wrote that down. And I thought, you know what, Lord? What we need is a do it again, Lord, spirit. 
Some of us need to do it again, Lord Spirit, because we ain't seen him work in such a long time. Some of us need to do it again, Lord, moment, so we can recapture Reverend White, that good old feeling from the Holy Spirit. Some of us need to do it again, Lord, activity, because we got amnesia and forgot how it felt to see him work in our lives. You alive, but you're dead. I wish y'all could see what I see on your faces. That's evidence to me that something's wrong. You've gotten away from your first love. That thing that once excited you about God has been missing. And you need to cry out, do it again, Lord. Give me another moment like that. Revive my heart anew. Suck me aflame so that people will watch me come and burn for you. Do it again, Lord. There's got to be something sad about remembering what he did for you the first time that you saw him. There's got to be something sad about remembering the work he did for you the first time you encountered him. Ah. Uh, uh, nobody has to tell me where God met me, where God saved me. But I have to tell myself. Did y'all catch that? So that I don't lose the do it again, Lord. I lost somebody right there. Maybe what he did for you wasn't as significant as what it was for me. But if I think that what I'm thinking and it was as significant for you as it was for me, there ought to be a shout right there in your spirit. For when the Lord saved you, you knew it wasn't nobody else, boo, that could save you, stop you from going to hell. Come on in here. And when you got the realization of that evidence and that fact, that do it again mentality ought to reside in you. Can I tell you that cool go out the window when it comes to Jesus? Cool, cool go out the window for me, y'all. I'm through with cool. Y'all listening here? It's about winning lost souls for Jesus. Let me park the car in Wilder right here. It was hot a couple weeks ago, about maybe two, one or two weeks ago. And a fellow who's a member of our church, who will rename uh, anonymous for this message, he called me out the blue and said, Pastor, a friend of mine has uh, to bury her father. She's not a member of our church. They're not Christians, but I've been sharing the gospel with them. And they asked the pastor to come and do the funeral. And the pastor never called them back. And they're worried. And they're all stressed out. Can you come? I said, I'm on my way, son. And I talked to Sister Wilson. I said, baby, I'm on my way to a funeral. She said, whose funeral? I said, I don't know. But I'm just going to preach. She said, you don't know him? I said, I don't know him. She said, it's hot out there. I said, I know it's hot, but I got to go. I didn't say I had to go because I needed to go, but something inside of me said there may be lost people and the funeral is the window to point them to Jesus. Now let me walk y'all through the whole story. When I got to the cemetery, they was out there. The cooler was open, Reverend White. They all had them big cans of beer. Y'all not listening to me. 
And I walked up and they was like, that must be the preacher. They hugged me with one beer in one hand and threw their arm around me. Y'all not listening? They were completely unchurched. Y'all listen to me? When I got there, they was already drunk. They went like this when I first got there. You need something cool to drink, Robin? I said, no, I'm fine, thank you. Y'all not listening? I got there, I, I opened up the text. No, no, let me back up. When I got there, they didn't want me to start the funeral on time because they was waiting for more homies to show up. So I waited, sweating and all. 45 minutes by the rest of the time they got there, they handed out beer. I said, y'all ready now? They came in around the basket. Funeral was there, the funeral man was there, and I took my text and I preached from Revelation. Y'all not in here talking about the end of the matter. Y'all in here now? I had them captive for seven minutes. And for seven minutes they put that beard out. And they leaned in and listened to the bald head preacher. And you better know I talked about the man from Galilee. Who will stick closer than any friend? Who will be there for them when it's time for them to cross over to the other side? Y'all not listening to me. It was hot. It was inconvenient. No, I didn't know them. I wasn't connected to them. But they were on their way to hell. And God sent somebody by to give them directions to the other side. Here's all I'm trying to say to you, new beginners. Are you available? Are you available to run throughout the city to tell those people who don't know him where they can have everlasting life? Yeah, it was inconvenience. Yeah, it threw off my schedule. No, they didn't come to my church, but when I prayed the prayer, I heard somebody praying it. I did what God told me to do. And the work of the Spirit does the rest. Here it is. Are you willing to do what God tells you to do? And trust the work of the Spirit to do the rest. Well, I got to get out of here today. But I'm praying that you'll have a do it again, Lord Spirit. Not only will you have a recognized location, a recognized leader, a remembered lesson, but as I close, I pray that you'd have in your evangelism efforts a renewed life. The text says in verse 56 that wherever, somebody say wherever, he went into villages and towns or countrysides. They placed the sick in the marketplaces and they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. As I close New Beginnings, the first thing in this text that arrests me is that Jesus, here it is, didn't just stay in Gennesaret. Y'all hear me? He was like Reverend White. He had an itinerant ministry. He went different places so he could have access to different people. Ever wonder why your pastor has to leave some Sundays to go here and there to preach? Because God called me to be his preacher. I'm your preacher, but you don't give me assignments. 
My orders come from the boss. Are you with me here? And my ministry has to also be in this location, but at the same time, itinerant. Means I'm going to different places to preach and to teach the word of God. Jesus operated the same way. So when he left Gennesaret, the text says that he went to the marketplaces. Now this is important because in the marketplace, that was where the community gathered. Here it is. It's where goods were requested. It's where uh, things were on sale. Where there was public assemblies and trials offered. It was the place where he would have access to every type of human being in the region. Here it is. For those people who were lost and on their way to a burning hell, their souls were on the auction block of eternity. So he went right into the marketplace where he could redeem them. Redeem, that's a financial term. A business economic term in the marketplace of life is where humanity lives now and there are two auctioneers on the floor Satan and Jesus and they're both bidding for the souls of men Jesus goes into the marketplace to get the souls that he's come to die for well, New Beginnings, not only did he go to the marketplace, but when he got there, he heard a very familiar cry. And I'm humping off my text, but the Bible says that they begin to ask him or to beg him just to touch the edge of his cloak. I'll tell you why this was so important. About a year or so previous to this, Jesus was on his way to heal a young man's daughter. And a crowd from Galilee pressed in so close to him. They're all trying to get his attention for miracles. But one woman who was sick and dying from physical discomfort couldn't get to the master, but had enough faith and hope to say I don't need to have a conversation with him I don't need to stop his impending progress all I just need is to touch the hem of his garment now why does she recognize that she recognized that whatever is in the man is in what the man got on and she recognized that the garment is attached to the man so just let me touch his garment are you in here? And the testimony of that woman ran throughout the region. Jesus had sailed back across the sea and now he has come back again. And when he lands this time, the testimony of that woman is already waiting on him. So when he walks in the marketplace, can y'all see it? The same crowds can't get to him, but they just yelling, let me touch the hymn of your garment and I'll be made whole here it is the miracle here is not in the clothes no the miracle was in the faith that the sick had in believing in who Jesus was as the son of God
Here it is, Zuniga. By faith, they said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made whole. By faith, they said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be able to walk again. If I just touch his clothes, my leprosy will be dissolved. My hearing restored. And all of the issues in my life drawn up. Well, I got to leave you now. But when the people in Fresno see Jesus in our lives, they too, by faith, will be made well. When the people in Fresno see Jesus, by faith, gang members will lay down their weapons. Prisons will turn their hearts toward the Lord. Dope houses will close up and dry out. When the people see Jesus, the supernatural will take place in their lives. By faith, their lives can be changed. By faith, they can get a new mind. By faith, their desires are changed. By faith, their thinking will change. Come on in here. You know how your change happened, didn't it? By faith. By faith, you are no longer that man or woman you used to be. Because you took a chance on Jesus. And by faith, look at you now. Look at what faith brought you from. Look at what faith in Christ did for you. It's our faith in Christ that'll draw people to him. It's our faith in Christ that'll light up a dark world. It's our faith in Christ that'll cause the doubters to change. It's our faith in Christ that changes public policy. It's our faith in Christ that'll curb gang activity. It's faith in Christ that'll stop abortion. It's faith in Christ that'll end poverty. It's faith in Christ that'll stop pornography. It's faith in Christ that'll combat racism. It's faith in Christ that'll end drug abuse. It's faith in Christ that'll put marriages back together again. It's faith in Christ that'll clean up the streets. It's faith in Christ that transforms communities. Well, I'm through preaching here. But I still believe there's enough power and what happened at the hill called Calvary to change every man and woman, boy and girl in this city. You say, why is that, Pastor? Because at Calvary, God took it upon himself to descend down to earth and die on behalf of humanity at Calvary. God washed away the sin from our world to unite and to save us and bring us back into relationship with him. For all those who would just simply believe that he is the answer for the world today. At Calvary, God took our place, defeated the evil one of our souls, conquered sin, hell, and the grave, descended into the depths of the earth, took the sting out of death, victory over the grave, and early Sunday morning, I said early Sunday morning, rose from the dead to give all power to those who believe. He raised with all power, but he also gives us power to operate with the same authority to go into the earth and to set the captives free. By faith is how the Christian is supposed to live. By faith, 
we ought to walk and talk for him. By faith, we ought to move and breathe for him. In fact, guess what, y'all? We call it to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm through preaching here, but I heard a cool story. I'm going to share it with you, and then I'll turn it over to Reverend Brown for the invitation. A story is told about an old farmer who was once in the field working his crops. He was met by a skeptic who didn't believe that the old ignorant farmer was saved. He saw the old man walking with a big bag of potatoes on his back. And he was poking with him. He said, how you know you saved? And the old man took a few steps and dropped the bag. And then he said to the skeptic, how do you know I dropped the bag? The skeptic said, because you no longer feel the weight on your back. And the old farmer says, yeah, and I can tell I'm saved because I no longer carry guilt. I no longer feel sin and sorrow arresting my nerves. That's how I know I'm, I've been saved. And I want to tell somebody here today, you too can have assurance of your salvation. By dropping your guilt today, by dropping your sin today, how do you do that, Pastor? By placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And by being willing to run throughout the region and tell somebody about the one who changed your life. Tell somebody about the one who's done great things for you. Tell somebody about the one who took your place and paid your penalty for your transgressions. Let's give the Lord some praise. Bow with me for a word of prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for a challenging thought to remind us to have a renewed look at evangelism. God, forgive us for being distracted with the things of this world, taking our eyes off of the billions of people who are lost, who are on their way to a burning hell, separated from you. Thank you for the reminder of what you call us to do. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, to rediscover our love for you, our passion for you, to live a life for you. God, forgive us. Forgive us for getting on the, the me, myself, and I train. God, we're sorry. We're sorry today. Now help us. Show us the recognized location. We already know you're the recognized leader. We've remembered our lesson. Now renew our life. Re-energize this church. Help us to fall in love with what we fell in love with 10 years ago. Running throughout the region. Bringing those who are lost to you. God, we need you. For the one who is here today and they don't know you, Lord, my prayer is today that after this prayer, 
You would open their eyes and their ears and their hearts and you would draw them to you for an intimate, personal relationship. Do it, God, is my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.